Welcome to tonight's class. We are studying tonight again another beautiful mystical teaching of the Rebbe. Um, I try to give the name, the class a name, but again, there's many names because there's a lot of different ideas. But one idea is that um, we all know that we have a guardian angel. And our guardian angel sees everything. And the question is, how could we connect to this powerful guardian angel that sees everything? All right, so this uh, class... So everybody has an individual guardian angel. Yes, My absolutely. one, you have one. Yes, absolutely. So this class is based on a mystical teaching of the Rebbe. The Rebbe said this Shabbos Parshish Truma in 1965. So that's uh, a while ago. Um, but it's a very, very beautiful teaching, and it's based on this week's Torah portion, Parshish Truma. We know this week's Torah portion begins, and it says... Um, Hashem says to the Jewish people, a positive command, you should take to me Truma. So the Tzamech Tzedek, which is the third Chabad Rebbe, asks a simple question. And the question is, if you give a look in the beginning of your Torah portion, the word Truma, which is to separate a gift, however you want to translate it, the word Truma is mentioned three times. In other words, it starts off, the Torah says, you should take to me Truma. Then it says, Every person that wants to give from his heart should obviously take the Truma. And then it says, This is the Truma, a third time, you should take from them, from them. So the question is again, why this powerful word of Truma, which is a separation, a gift, why does it mention it three times? The Rebbe now asks even a deeper question, he says, that it mentions three times. The first time it says, Yikhuli Truma, you should take to me a Truma. Then it says, the second time when it says Truma, it says, me Ace Kal Ish, Asher Yidvenu Liboy Tikkus Trumasi, which means from every person that will be in a divlave and he's going to want to give from his heart, already the person's putting effort into it, emotional effort into it, you should take the Truma. So the question will be asked a very simple question. Why doesn't it say the person giving from his heart in the first time it says Truma? Why does it only say giving from your heart in the second so- time when it refers to the idea of Truma? That's the, that's the question Rabbi asks. And then the Rabbi uh, poses another two more questions. And he says, if you think about it, it says, Yikhuli, you should take to me. Who's the giver? Who's the receiver? We're the giver, and Moshe Rabbeinu is receiving it on behalf of uh, Hashem for the for the for the for the Mishkan. Um, so the question is to say the Yitnu, because we're giving the Yitnu. He's commanding us that we should give, not for the Yikhuli. The commandment is not to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu should receive it. The commandment is we should give. So why doesn't it say the Yitnu Li? And then there will be asked the last question. It says that it says the Li, you should take Li to me, referring to Hashem, and the question is, why does it say specifically Li? Li, referring to me, and Rashi actually says, Li means Lashmi, for the same name Hashem, so why specifically the idea of what? Of Li. These are different questions, obviously, on the verse, which we're going to explore um, after we go through a spiritual journey on this week's Torah portion, in reference to Truma. So, the Tzemach Tzedek, actually, in a famous discourse of his, on this parsha of Truma, where it says, V'yichuli Truma, so he quotes from Shir Hashirim, Song of Songs, from King Solomon, and he says like this, King Solomon says, Pischuli achoisi rayosi, 
which means open up to me. Again, you notice the word again, Li? Interesting, pay attention. Every, every, every detail is important. Pischu Li, Hashem is saying, open up to me, who? Achaisi, Rayasi, referring to the Jewish people as my sister, as my friend, etc. And um, that's a simple verse. Now, we all know Shira Shim is very powerful. It's a very, there's a lot of commentaries and a lot of ways to understand it. So basically what Hashem is saying, what Hashem is saying is that Samach Tzedek explains that, that Hashem is saying to the Bnei Yisrael, until when will I be without a house? And it was peacefully, open up to me, I want to have a house, I want to have a relationship. And that's basically the same idea of the Asuli, make to me a Migdash, so that I won't be outside. Think about that. It's pretty powerful words. But Hashem is saying, the asuli Migdash, because what happens if you don't make to me a Migdash? Where am I? On the street. If you make me a Migdash, now I have a home. Hashem is pleading with us, make to me a Migdash. And the same idea in this week's Torah portion of Asuli Migdash are connected with Hashem is saying, please make me a house so I'll be inside the house, not God forbid, what? Outside the house. So you see the connection where the Torah begins, the Yikhuli Truma. Hashem is saying you should take the Truma to who? To me. So that when you take, hi, welcome, come, have a seat. So when you take the Truma to me, then you'll be able to go ahead and make the Migdash, because the Truma is the different things that were needed to make the Migdash. And when you take the Truma to me, and therefore you'll be able to make a make, make some Migdash, you will be able to make the Asuli Migdash. You know, through the truma, you'll be able to make to me a migdash, which basically means a home, and therefore I will be able to be what? Vishachanti Vesoicham. Now, why is that so important? Because we have, we're mandated with, with in Hebrew it's called an avodah. We're mandated with spiritual work. We have an avodah, spiritual work, that we have to complete Hashem's intention when he created the world. When Hashem created the world, he had an intention why he created the world. And we know that it's brought down many t- places of mysticism based on a medrash. Hashem wanted to have a dwelling place down here. Hashem wanted. He didn't make the dwelling place. He wanted. He wanted us to make the dwelling place down here. So when we, the Yichuli, when we're taking to me, referring to Hashem, the Truma, and the Asuli Migdash, we're making this home for Hashem, we're fulfilling Hashem's dream of Nisava Kadesh Baruch Huli Hashem wanted to have, what, a dwelling place down in here. So in other words, the purpose of the Truma is to build a Mishkan so that Hashem can live amongst us, which back to the Shir Hashim, the whole purpose is Hashem can be with us. That's pretty powerful if you think about that for a second. Hashem is pleading with us. Take for me a truma, build for the Migdash, so I can have a home to be in. Now, that's, that's the vision. That's the reality. Now, so there's Hashem that has a dream. He turns to us, and then we have to do the Avodah. So in Kabbalah, the, the, the process, the procedure of this whole process where Hashem wants, we, and then He inspires us, and we do, is called, I'm going to say it in Hebrew, and I'll translate it. So the process is called, there's something which is called Isarusa de la Eila, and there's something which is called Isarusa de la Tata. Isarusa, they both have the same word, Isarusa, which means an awakening. The la means from above, and the Tata means from what? From down below. In other words, what does that mean like this? There's times... There's an awakening from above. Hashem says, hey, wake up, please make me a home. 
And then there's times that we want to make Hashem known. We put the effort in. So when Hashem is inspiring us, so spiritually it's called Isarusa de la When we do our part, when we do our work, then it's called Isarusa de la Tata. Now, so the process is, what comes first? First comes Isarusa de la Hashem says, hey guys, wake up. Please, make me my home. Gather for me the materials to make my home. Hashem wakes us up. And as King Solomon says, Koil doidi, powerful, beautiful lines here from King Solomon. Koil doidi doifeik piskuli. The voice, referring to Hashem as doidi, my uncle, is banging on the door. And Hashem is saying, open up, open up, open up. In other words, Hashem is, in, so that's called what is a serusa de la So Hashem is calling us to, what's the call to wake up? What's, no, King Solomon says, Hashem's banging on the door and saying, please wake up. What is, the pra- what is the wake-up call? What it says in this week's Torah portion, where Hashem says, truma. You should take from me a truma. That's Hashem saying, hey, wake up, because I want you to make for me a beautiful home for Hashem. Now, obviously, um, our job, once we hear it, is to take that call from Hashem and do something about it. Now, <clears throat> So this concept is called what? Isarusa Leila. And that's the first step of the process. Hashem calls us Likuli. So the Rebbe explains, what does that mean practically? He explains it based on a powerful teaching of the Balshemtov. It says like this. The Balshemtov says, it says in the Talmud that um, there's a baskoil. You ever heard of what a baskoil is? You know what a baskoil is? A chocolate drink. A baskoil is a voice from Hashem. A baskoil is a voice from Hashem. So when you talk to one with your friends, family, that's your friend speaking. But why don't you hear the voice from Hashem? That's called a baskoil. So there's a baskoil that comes out, and Shemachrezes, the Talmud says, Shuvuvanim. There's a voice from heaven that calls out and says, My children, come back home. Because obviously our place is really with Hashem. We listen to Hashem, we do what Hashem wants, but sometimes we veer off. So a voice comes out and Hashem says, come home, come home. So this baskoil is always out there. That's the powerful thing. The baskoil is always like the, the, the loudspeaker. Unfortunately, it's not so loud. It's called a baskoil. But there's a voice out there saying, come home, come home, come home. Like think about a, ch- a parent that the child disappeared and is lost. You think the parent sleeps? Parent is crying, screaming, please come home. So Hashem is saying, come home. Come home. Now, so the, so the uh, Balshantov asks a simple question. The Talmud says the Basco, it says, come home. So Balshantov says, what's the purpose of the Basco? Nobody hears it. Basco means the voice out there saying it. We don't hear it. So what's the purpose of the Basco? So the Balshantov says, very simple. The Basco is there. What happens? There are moments in our life, we all have these moments, that all of a sudden we're inspired to return to Hashem. Now again, there's many levels of returning. You can be totally minus 100 and you wake up to, you know, to uh, 10 plus, 20, 30 plus, or you can be even like in a great relationship with Hashem, but it could be better. So in other words, 
every time you're inspired to advance your relationship with Hashem, irrelevant if it's minus or even par or if it's plus, whatever it may be. So anytime you're inspired to return to Hashem deeper and greater, quantitatively, let's learn more, let's study more, let's pray more. You know, where did that come from? What happened all of a sudden? Like, hello? And the answer is, the Balshanto says, that's because you got the Basco. You heard the Basco. The Basco is always there. But, and, and so he asked, but if you don't hear it, what's the point? He says, no, no, no. You know those times when you were inspired? What happened all of a sudden? People say, oh my God, I don't know what happened to me. I decided I want to go to shul today. I decided I want to go to class today. I said I want to help somebody today. Where'd that come from? And the answer is, you heard the Basco. Isn't that powerful? When, you, when you're inspired to do something, it means you heard the Basco. Now, but the Rebbe asks a question. One second. This Basco comes out every day. Every day. Return. So once a month, once a week, whatever it may be, I'm, I'm inspired. But what happens to the Basco that's out there every day? And the fact is, we know, a day can go by, many days can go by, and we don't, we don't have that uh, feeling to return to Hashem. I get it. Once in a while we're inspired, but if, if it's out there every day, how come I don't hear it every day? And the Rebbe says like this, very, very simple. And this is very, very powerful. The Rebbe brings um, from the Talmud, Tractate Megillah, a famous story where people, they got very, very scared. Why? Because what happened was there was a, uh, a, a spiritual voice that came out. So the Talmud says like this, why did they get scared? They didn't, they didn't hear anything. They didn't see anything. The Talmud said, Even though they didn't see it, but there's something which is called Mazlayu. That means like this, every one of us have a guardian angel. We all have a guardian angel that basically guides us, directs us, inspires us, and hopefully we listen to the guardian angel. But every one of us has a guardian angel. So maybe we're living in this physical world and we're spiritually deaf, emotionally deaf, and emotionally blind, or spiritually blind, we don't see. But you know what, guess what? Our guardian angel is always awake. And our guardian angel always sees it. In other words, this mazal, which is a guardian angel, or another terminology, you can say the etzim hanashama, the essence of our soul, not the one that's down here, the one that's above, because we have a godly soul within us, but we have a counterpart of it on high. So we have a, a, a call it the mazal, which is the guardian angel, or the etzim hanashama, which is on high. That part saw the voice. That's what it says in, in, the, in the Talmud and Megillah. So the Rebbe says the same thing applies to the Baskel. This Baskel that's going out, this guardian angel that's hearing these voices, the, the guardian angel on Yetzirah and Shammah hears, hears it. So in other words, this Baskel that's out there saying every single day, return, your Yetzirah and Shammah hears it, Shalomailah, that's on high, your guardian angel, your Mazel hears it, so you're plugged in. Now, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Right? And therefore the Rebbe says, and this is the connection to this Victoria portion, you want to hear it? You want to internalize it? Very simple. What it's saying King Solomon from in Shir Hashim Song of Songs, Pischoli, open up. It's there. No, so let's say, for example, there's noise outside, and you have a, you have a, a, a soundproof house. Are you going to hear the noises outside? No, but the noises are there. The answer is open the door. Open the window. So Hashem's pischuli, open up. Or like it says in this week's Torah portion, Hashem says to us, the yikhuli, 
All I'm asking you is take to me. I'm here. I'm telling you, come back home. I'm telling you to be inspired. And your bask and the, and the, your mazel hears it and sees it. You add some on a shaman on high, sees it, hears it and sees it. You have to do one thing. Pischuli. Vikhuli. Just take the little truma. And then you'll be connected to me. To what to the powerful voice. Now. So the first level is again. Something which is called Isarusa del Eila. Where Hashem says, come back home. A mazel hears it. Our etzim and neshama on high hears it. And then our job is vehicle. You don't have to do much. Hashem says to show up with a, with some, with a truma, which separates something. And when you separate, you'll connect. So in other words, what the Rebbe's really saying here is, our guardian angel hears and sees the emes, the truth. If we want to connect to it, it's very simple. That's vehicle. We don't have to create the inspiration. We don't have to create the motivation, the inspiration, the light, the mo- it's all there. And our Etzim and Hashem Alamayla hears it and sees it and is connected to it. If you want to connect to it, equally, just come along for the ride. Now, that's great. That's only a start. That's the first level. It's Jerusalem But after this, this Jerusalem and that's the first Truma that it says in the verse. The first truma in the verse, Yikuli truma, is referring to the inspiration above. We don't have to do much for it. We just got to show up. Yikuli. The second part of the verse is speaking about the next level of the journey. What's the next level of the journey? Called Isarusa del Tata. That's when a person has to do your work. And that's why when it comes to the second truma in the verse, it's already talking about the, the second level of the journey. And that is, that's why it says in the, only in the second section it says, because already over here for the second moment, when you have to do the work, then you have to put your heart and soul into it. You have, you have to really be connected to it. Now, so let's think for a second. So far we learned, the equally truma is referring to what? The awakening from above, the gift. Hashem is giving us a gift. All we need to do is show up. The second part is what? We have to do our work. Which one is more powerful? Which one's more stronger? Hashem or us? For sure Hashem. The light, I mean, Hashem is saying, hey, but Hashem has a much greater light. He's more infinite. So even though Hashem is more infinite, he said, listen, let's stop with the first week. What do I need the second one for? Just keep on giving me the inspiration. And the truth is, the truth is that it is correct. Isarusalayla is much higher than Sutsulatata. So seemingly the, the, the shouldn't stop right there. But the answer is that we need to have our Isarusalatata. We need to put in our work. We need to have Kal Isha Shayidvenaliboy. Because you know why? Because if you don't have Kal Isha Shayidvenaliboy, it's just going to go away. The inspiration is going to fade away. So you need the second step, even though it's a lower step, but that will keep it. So if you depends how you measure higher and lower. From inspirational perspective, what's higher if it comes from a gift from Hashem? But in order for it to last, it's the second one. Where a person puts in their avoida. Now, but now the Rebbe's going to go explain it a step further, how it works in reference to our serving Hashem. So, so um, and the Rebbe's going to explain something very, very powerful, and he brings down a very beautiful piece from the Zohar. So get ready for a nice piece from the Zohar. The Zohar says like this, that um, what's the word for the gift that we're bringing? What's the word? It's called truma. Truma. Technically, it means to separate people, gift, but that's the charity part you're doing. 
You're giving charity, truma. So what is truma? What's the, and we know in, in Kabbalah, they take every word and they take you a deep journey into the word. Nothing new. This can take you a deep journey into the word. So the Zohar says two beautiful explanations of what truma is. The first explanation is that truma comes from two words. In truma, you have the letters of Torah, Tav, Vav, Reish, Hei, Torah, and you have the letter Mem. Truma, think about this, separation, which is referring to charity, is from two words, Torah, the Torah that we receive from God, Mem is 40. What's the connection with 40? Because we receive the Torah in 40 days. Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Mount Sinai for 40 days, so Truma is Torah Mem. What does that mean? Referring to Torah, Moshe went up to Mount Sinai to get it. So when you hear the word Torah Mem, what, what do you hear? You hear the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Mount Sinai for 40 days to get it. Who gave us the Torah? Hashem. So, Torah, so Truma is like a code word for Torah that was given in 40 days, a reference to what? The Torah as a gift from Hashem. So when you hear of Truma, based on the first explanation of Zohar, you're hearing Torah Mem, the Torah that was given to us as a gift from Hashem. That's the first one. What's the second explanation from the Zohar? So he says like this, that Truma comes from word, of, of word, two words, Trey Mimea. Two out of a hundred. What's the connection with two out of a hundred? So we all know it says in the Mishnayot that when a person wants to give tithing, so you can give one from 40, one from 50, one from 60, and as the middle one is one from 50. That's the middle tithing. Now, if you're giving one from 50, so if you had a hundred, how much are you giving? Two. Two. Very good. You guys know your math. So if it's one, very good. That's good. This guy, you guys are awake. You're alert. We know the numbers. Just don't, don't take it to another level. Yes. Okay, I got it. We'll, okay, I'm happy with this. I'm, I'm happy with this. Limit. Okay. So trami maya means two out of a hundred. You gave one out of fifty, but if it's so, if it's a hundred, it's two out of a hundred. So truma comes from the word of trami maya. Now, what's what is it, what's it mean two from a hundred? And, and, and the the zohar, the sofa from the zohar still. So the zohar says like this. That we know when we say Shema, which is basically the most powerful part of our prayer service. So the Shema, what's the first line of Shema? Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. What's the second verse? Baruch Shem, quote Malchus HaLeilam Vayet. Now, if you take Shema Yisrael, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, and you count up the letters, the way it's spelled out fully in the Torah. You know, Hashem is Yudkei Vavkei, right? So if you count the letters, how many letters are there in Shema? 50. Good guess, good guess. But the answer is, the good guess, but the answer is 25. Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekhanachad is 25. Right? Write it down? Okay. Baruch Shein Kvod Malchusei Lelem Vahed. Baruch Shein Kvod Malchusei Lelem Vahed. How many letters? Close. Close. 24. 24. So Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekhanachad is 25. Baruch Shein Kvod Malchus from the Zohar. Good, beautiful stuff. Baruch Shein Kvod Malchus from the Zohar is how much 24? How much is 25 and 24? Come on, don't, don't. 49, 49. How much? 49. 49. 49. 49. Okay, wonderful, exactly. Now, 49. So Shema and Baruch Shein is 49. We're supposed to say Shema how many times a day? In the evening and in the morning. So the evening and morning is how many times a day? Twice. Trick question? Twice. Twice a day, very good. Excellent. So 49 times 2 is how much? 98. 98. Beautiful. Excellent. So again, Shema is 25. Baruch Shem is 24. 49. You say it in the evening. You say it in the morning. You have 98. 98. 
Every time you say Shema, what is your feeling supposed to be? That you're ready right now to go what? On Messiris Nefesh. You're ready right now to give up your life for Hashem. When are you ready to give up your life for Hashem? When you say Shema. How many times a day are you doing that? Twice. Twice. At night when you say Shema in the morning. So when you add Messiris Nefesh to Shema Yisrael and Baruch Hashem, so now the 49 became what? 50. Twice a day is 100. You got it? Twice a day is 100. Now, so in other words like this. So Truma is two Tremimea. Two from a hundred, which means when you add the mysterious nefesh twice, then the Shema becomes a hundred. So now, so what does Shema resemble? Shema is an inspiration from above. Because Shema is, if you just read the Shema because oh, it says in the Torah, and you don't add the mysterious nefesh to your effort, you're not going to have a hundred. When can you get to a hundred? When you're putting in mysterious nefesh. When you're putting in your avoda. That's when you'll get to, to the hundred. So notice, when we say truma, we say tremi mea, it means it's two, mysterious nefesh makes it a hundred. The only way you got the hundred mark is because you did what? Mysterious nefesh. That you put the avod in. So you see clearly what happens now is that, um, what happens now is as follows. Torah on its own is a gift from Hashem. Tremi mea, which is, which is what? Is basically the part we put the effort in. Now, Torah is, why is Torah a gift from Hashem? Because Torah is given from God. We know Torah is, is, is considered um, like fire. You, know, you, don't, you don't mess with fire. You run from fire. Also, we know Torah can't become uh, impure. So, if you, so now, let's go back to the, to the, to the verse. The Yikhuli Truma, how do we explain Yikhuli Truma referring to before? That Hashem basically is giving us a gift. Hashem is revealing himself to us. He's inspiring us. And that's the Yikhuli Truma. Torah is also a reference to what? A gift from Hashem. All a gift from Hashem. On the other hand, the second explanation according to the Zohar, which is referring to Tremimea, two from a hundred, which is Mysterious Nefesh, which, which part of the verse is that referring to? It's referring to the second part of the verse, where it says, where a person's giving his heart over, when a person's going on Mysterious Nefesh. Like the second explanation of the Zohar. Now, so again, so let's make sure we get, we get it clear before we, we jump further. So again, so according to the Zohar, the first explanation of Truma is what? Torah is a gift from Hashem. The second explanation is Torah is Treyume, which is referring to our avoid of Messias Nefesh. So the first one is referring to the first Yikhuli Trum, where basically Hashem is basically, uh, giving us a, a inspiration. And the second one is what? We're doing our avodah. But now the Rebbe goes and he takes it a step further. And he says like this. Even though, generally speaking, hi, welcome, come, have a seat. Even though, generally speaking, even though, generally speaking, the avoidah of, of Torah is a gift from above. A gift from above. Now, so therefore, if it's a gift from above, which truma in the verse is it referring to? The first one. Very good. Ve'yikholi truma. Now, but the Rebbe explains there's a higher level of Torah as well. Higher in the sense where we put the avoid in. And the Rebbe quotes from the Talmud. The Talmud says like this. There was a Talmud, his name was Abba Binyamin. Abba Binyamin, his name was. And he said he always made sure, he always made sure to pray before he went to sleep. To pray before he went to sleep. Why? 
Because when you pray before you go to sleep, what do you mean you're praying before you go to sleep? You're talking when you say Shema. It means you're connecting yourself to Hashem. And you know when you connect yourself to Hashem, you give yourself over to Hashem, and then you go to sleep? You sleep, oh, very good. You sleep much better. Why? Because you put yourself into it. If you just go to sleep, you go to sleep. But if you say Shema, you're giving yourself life over to Hashem, then you really sleep. So the Rebbe says that when a person goes ahead and, uh, and, 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 pr- and, and prays before he starts, you know, so regular Talmud before you pray, that's, that's the first part, Vikali Juma. But on the other hand, when a person prays before he studies, so now he went in Messiris Nefesh, so the Torah you're studying afterwards is infused with what? With the Messiris Nefesh. So then the Torah, even the, even the first level of Torah, could be a reference to the second part of the verse, where it speaks about Kol Isha and Yidvenu Liboy, even in reference to Torah, as long as obviously you put the Messiris Nefesh in first. Now, so therefore, therefore, the Rebbe explains very, very simple. That, um, <clears throat> that the verse is saying as follows. That the avoida of Krishna, which means, kal isha when a person does the avoida of Krishna, then you reach the higher level of Torah, where over there it's tikhu as trumasi, you're literally taking trumasi, referring to what not only as truma, my separation of money, but you're taking trumas as Torah. After you do the avoid, you're actually taking the Torah and you're internalizing it. Or as Rabbi says, trumasi mamash, you're literally taking the Torah and internalizing it with you. When? If you pray first. So if you pray first, kalei shishidvena liboy, that means you, what's, what's in the diva slave referring to prayer? If you pray first, then tikh was trumasi, you literally take the Torah of Hashem, and literally as you're saying the words of Torah, it's not your thoughts, literally the, 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 the Torah of Hashem is coming through you. But that has to happen if you prepared yourself by doing the proper avodah first. Now, what happens after you, um, you, know, you prayed? Then you study Torah, it's a whole different level. So then we go over and we have to do our mitzvot. And then not only do our mitzvot, but even the mundane things that we do in our life. Simple things. But we do it with the spiritual intention of what? Of whatever you're doing, simple things, mundane tasks, but I'm doing it because I'm doing it for Hashem, or because in everything I do, I want to know Hashem. Then we reach the third and highest level, which is this is the truma that you'll take from them, which you reach the highest level. So, in other words, the first level again, weekly truma, that's the inspiration. The second level, when a person does their avoidah, then it's a whole different level of a of truma, and also again, even Torah study. The highest level is when you totally connect with Hashem. Then even everything that you do, you're doing it obviously for Hashem, and obviously everything gets elevated. Now, so up until now, we spoke about the beautiful spiritual idea behind the different levels on truma. On a spiritual level, on an avoda level, um, a transform- transformative level, etc. But now the Rebbe asks a very, very simple question. The Rebbe says, "Let's get, let's make it, let's talk practically." What did the verse say? The verse said that the equally truma we should take to who we should take all our different gifts, separate it, and we should bring it li to who to Hashem. 
Now, what was the purpose of bringing it to Hashem? Was throw it in the fire? No. As we said before, the Migdash. To make a Migdash for who? For leave for Hashem. What kind of Migdash? And a spiritual based Migdash or a real one? A real Migdash. Gashmias. Gashmias. A material, physical Migdash. And the verse says, Lee. Who are we making it for? Lee referring to Hashem. Now, has Hashem always existed? Exists and always will exist. So if that's the case, we took our stuff, we did it leave for Hashem, the infinite Hashem, we made a Migdash for Him, so where's the base Migdash now? How can we know the Migdash? What do you mean? No, we destroyed, but if something, is Hashem destroyed too? God forbid? No, Hashem is not destroyed. Hashem exists. But if you gave the Migdash to Hashem, how can the Migdash be destroyed? How can it be destroyed? Hashem. No, but hold on. How can Hashem... Again, Hashem, Hashem can't be destroyed, so the, the Asu Li, Hashem says, make to me a Migdash, um, uh, and the Koli Truma, how can that be destroyed? Well, I'm thinking of the physical tabernacle, the physical message. How can it be destroyed? That's Rabbi's question. A good question. So Rabbi says like this, we'll understand this based on a commentary on the Torah, on the verse where it says the Asuli Migdash, you should make to me a Migdash, right? So there's a commentator called the Alshach Hakadosh, and the Alshach Hakadosh says like this: that um, when Hashem said to make to me a Migdash, there's a Migdash Elyon, there's a Migdash on high. Because when we made a Migdash, there's a Migdash on high in heaven, and there's a Migdash Hatachtoin down here. So there's literally a mirror image. There's a Migdash on high, and there's a Migdash down here. And they're connected. Just like we say in reference to Jerusalem, what do we say? Ear, Jerusalem is an ear, a city. Shechubra layachtav, that it's connected. What does that mean? That there's a Yerushalayim Shomayla, you know, there's a Jerusalem in heaven, and there's a Jerusalem down here. So in other words, and the Jerusalem down here is connected to the Jerusalem in heaven. Two Jerusalems. In heaven, down here, they're connected. Now, so therefore the Migdash, there's a Migdash in heaven, and there's a Migdash down here, and the two of them are connected. Now, the Migdash Ha'elyon, is that complete? Absolutely. The Migdash Ha'elyon existed, and still exists. That didn't go away. Did anything change in the Migdash Ha'elyon? Nothing. Now, the fact that two temples were destroyed, the first base of Migdash was destroyed, and the second base of Migdash was destroyed, that was the base of Migdash. And we know they were destroyed. But the Mishkan was never destroyed. And we know that Mishkan is also referred to as the Migdash. Mishkan is a dwelling place for Hashem. Migdash is a place where the Kedusha comes in. So the Mishkan and the Migdash were never destroyed. As we know, it says clearly in the Talmud that the Mishkan was hidden underneath the tunnels of the sanctuary. The Mishkan was never destroyed. Mishkan slash Migdash was never destroyed. So it literally exists underneath the, the tunnels of the sanctuary. Now, so again, let's make it clear. According to the Alshach, the Migdash El Yain, the Migdash and High, always was, always is, always will be. The Migdash... The Mishkan, the Migdash, not the Beit Migdash, but the Mishkan, the Migdash, that we, that we also, the word says in the Torah, we also lee, Hashem says, make to me the Migdash, and the Yikhuli, that Mishkan, was that destroyed? No. 
It's hidden underneath the tunnels. It exists. We need to look for it. We have to look for it. Our avoider is to look for it. Now, the Rebbe says like this, very powerful stuff. We know there's four worlds, Atzilut, Bria, Yetzira, and Asiya. Every neshama that comes down from the highest world down to this world, you go through different, different levels. Depending on where you hang out more in your journey down from heaven down to here, that's the type of soul you're going to be. So if you spend, for example, let's use an extreme case, 99% of the time in Atzilut, and the last second you came zipping through on all the worlds, you come down here, you're just going to see God and godliness. You can't relate to this world. On the other hand, you spent most of your time in, in, the, in the world of Asiya before you came down here, and then everything is going to be physical. So there's a concept called Neshama the Atzilut. We know Moshe Rabbeinu was in the Shama of Atzilut, because we know in the Torah, God said that the Jewish people came to him and said, hey, we need food. He said, what do I have to do with food? I can't relate. To I just can't relate. I can't relate. So there's something which is called the Neshama of Atzilut, a very, very pure soul. So the Rebbe says that in the Neshama of Atzilut, guess what? He sees the Migdash. He sees the Mishkan. He sees it. Because it exists. It's not a dream. It's not a spiritual. It's real. The real, physical, Mishkan, Migdash, exists underneath the tunnels of the sanctuary. So it exists. If you're in a Shoma Davatzilut, does a physical wall and a floor block you? No, you see right through it. Now, and Rabbi says, if we don't see it, present company excluded, right? No, no confessions now. If you don't see it, obviously, because we're in a very low spiritual state, because if we were in a higher spiritual state, if we had a higher self-awareness, a conscious awareness, we would see it. So unfortunately, we're in a low self spiritual state. And there he says, especially, unfortunately, if we sinned. Because as you sin against Hashem, whether it's machshava, thought, dibur, speech, or ma'isa, as you sin, unfortunately, you know what happens? You, your, your spiritual senses get dulled. And you're not going to see that mishkan. You're not going to see the, mish, the mikdash. And um, like the, the Rebbe quotes from the Altar of Tanya, the Tanya says that we all know to be in, to have Yerus Hashem is a very beautiful thing, to be in awe of Hashem. Now, why would someone be in awe of Hashem? It's very simple. Take, for example, we're sitting in this room, and behind this wall, there's a ferocious lion that didn't eat in three days. And no one sees it. Is anyone afraid? No. What if all of a sudden someone opens up the wall? You guys are freaking out, right? Why? It was there the whole time. And the answer is very, very simple. When you see it, you're afraid. So to be in awe of Hashem, it's very simple. If you see and feel Hashem, you're going to be in awe of Hashem. If you're, not, if, if you're not in awe of Hashem, obviously you don't see Him, you don't feel Him. So the author writes in Tanya, Yiris Hashem, to be in awe of Hashem, has to do specifically based on how, how pure you are. And after if you, if you if you sinned. And that's the same, same idea. If we don't see the Mishkan, it's unfortunately, either we, we are, our souls aren't so pure or we, or we dulled them or we sinned, etc. But, um, but the goal is, again, not to make God even feel bad. The goal is we should see the Mishkan. So the Rebbe says, I'll give you a simple idea. You want to see the Mishkan? Ask Hashem to help you see it. Turn to us and say, Hashem, listen, I, you know, I know the, the Mishkan exists in heaven. I know it exists down here. I know that the people of the Shom HaVatzil can see it. I know that I'm not seeing it right now. I need your help. Help me purify myself. Now, the Rebbe brings out a very, very important point. Because sometimes you can think, oh my gosh, the Mishkan's here, you can't see it. 
Right? The Rebbe says, guess what? The good news is the good news and bad news. The bad news, you don't see it. Fine, you have to work on yourself. You turn to Hashem. But the good news is that the Mishkan exists. If the Mishkan didn't exist, you have, to, you have to still create it and build it, the whole, the whole production. But once it exists, guess what? I don't know if you want to call it half the job, 80% of the job, whatever, however you want to define percentages in your head, the Mishkan exists. It's a done deal. Our job is we need to see it. But it exists already. We have to create it. It's out there. Based on this, the Rebbe says, here in the beginning of the discourse, he asked the question, if it says, make it for me, what do you mean? So where is it? How can it get destroyed? And the answer is, didn't get destroyed. The Asuli Migdash, the Yikhuli, we took the Yikhuli, we took all our truma, we gave it to Hashem, we built the Migdash for Li, for Hashem. Guess what? It exists, because it doesn't go away. It always was, it always was, and always will be. The only problem is it's concealed. And the Alter, the, the Rebbe brings an example from the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe says, asks a very interesting question. He says like this. We know every single day in the uh, Shemona Esrei, which we say three times a day, and then if you go to a minion to hear it twice more from the Chazan, and we say Amen. So there's different blessings in there. 18 blessings, 19 blessings. So one, take for example these two blessings. Take for example, the blessing is to heal the sick. And the, the Chachamim Institute, we should say it every day, with God's name. Or for example, a blessing that we should be, uh, have financial success. Mavarech Hashanim. To heal the sick. So everybody asks a simple question. You make the blessing that people that are not well should become well. You make a blessing people should have financial success. If, they're not going to become, if they don't become well and they don't have financial success, how can you make the blessing? You don't mean, I don't make a blessing in vain. You're not just going to start shooting out blessings. But nevertheless, there's a commandment to say it every single day. Like, what, what is that all about? Isn't it a blessing in vain? So the Rebbe... Alter explains very, very simple, and he says like this. You might think, you know what? Uh, the person gets healed. You get the blessings. We're in a spiritual world. So therefore, it's not a blessing in vain. Everybody says, no, 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 but the, the request is for physical healing. The request is for physical success, for physical blessings. What does it mean it's a spiritual blessing? So therefore, the Rebbe says as follows. I mean, Alter says as follows. That... When a person prays for someone to be healed, and you say with God's name, of someone to be successful, there's no question about it. If you really, really mean the blessing, the person will receive the blessing begashmiut in a materialistic, real way. Ah, you're going to say the person's not feeling well, or I didn't see the success yet. And the answer is, because it could be that the blessing is there, but it's only behelem, which means it's, it's concealed, not in, not in a revealed way. So if because the blessing is, became, happened, but it's concealed, it's not revealed, so therefore the blessing's not in vain, and the blessings are real, just, just, it's not, just, just it's concealed. Now it's just like the Migdosh exists. It's concealed. At some point it's going to come out. When Hashem is ready and we're ready, maybe. The same thing also, physical health, Physical blessings, you pray, you have it. You've been blessed in a real way. Unfortunately, we don't see it. Now, we don't see it because it's not yet ready to, like for example, the Rebbe gives an example. Let's say somebody comes, um, you're having a birthday, a celebration, whatever it may be, and someone buys you a present. The present that you dream of. But it's locked in a box and you can't open the box. 
So the question is like this. Did you get the present you dreamed of or you didn't get the present? Exactly. Oh, smart lady. Thank God. You got it. A hundred. You got it. Could you access it? No. no. Right now, no. Right now, no. Yeah. So, so let me ask a question. This. Make believe you had this dream of this present that you wanted. Right? You don't have to say what it is. And the person brings it to you. It's in a box and it's locked. Here it is and they give you a receipt. It's all in there. But you can't open it. Do you feel like you got your present? No. Like zero? No. Oh. You can't say zero. No, I hope that I in the future. Do you feel like, oh, the person respects me, listen to me. I got my present. I got a problem, I got to open it. <laughs> Fine, I got to open the present. But, so there's a point to this. The fact that the Mishkan exists, guess what, calm down, it's here. We got to figure out how to open it. Hashem, please help me see it. Don't, it's, but you see, if they don't buy you the present, did you get your present? No. No, no, you didn't get the present. If you, they didn't buy for you, you didn't get the present. One day, spiritually, yeah, spiritually you got it. That doesn't help you much. I have it, it's in my house, but it's in a safe. Okay, I got to figure out how to open the safe. And I have faith, one day I'll open the safe. It's the same thing also, the Mishkan exists. Calm down, it's here. Let's open it. In other words, the same applies to the Mishkan. The Mishkan is here 100%. Our job is to reveal it. And Rebbe quotes actually from uh, a chassid, a famous chassid, Rebbe Hillel of Parich, who quoted in the name of the Alter Rebbe that all the high levels of the souls, like Rashbi, right, Rashbi Miron, the for them, the Bet HaMikdash wasn't destroyed. Why? Because they were able to see, see and experience the light of the Mishkan. So, as you can tell, this discourse is a very, very powerful discourse on many, many levels. First of all, I think it teaches us, besides the teachings and the Torah portion, the different levels, etc., I think it teaches us a few important lessons. Lesson number one is that our Neshama, Lamaila, our guardian angel, sees everything. Sees it, connect to Hashem. We just need to be equally. We just need to show up. And turn to Hashem and, and just do our part. Show up with a little gift. And you'll feel it and you'll, you'll experience it. Then, after that, we still have to do our avodah. Whether it's prayer, whether it's, um, uh, whether it's mysterious nefesh in, in Shema. Once we do that, it's going to stick. It's going to last. And then we continue on in everything that we do. We will actually reach the deepest connection with Hashem. But more importantly, it's really, really important to know that the Migdash, the Mishkan, was never destroyed. The Bet HaMikdash was, the physical houses. But the Mishkan, the Mikdash of Hashem was never destroyed. Up in heaven it exists. Down here it exists. It's concealed. It's concealed. And knowing that, it's, that it exists, fine, I get it. It's concealed. That makes it much easier. Is it happening or is it not happening? It's happening. Not only it's not, it happened already. It's here. Our avoid is either to uh, refine ourselves come closer to Hashem, ask Hashem to help us, and then we will all merit to literally see the Mishkan and the Migdash right here, right now. Thank you.